You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Alrighty, we got three check marks there. Let's make sure we get the last one up before we're officially off the ground. We're preparing, preparing for takeoff, and the wheels are up. Not yet. Now we are. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. It is Tuesday. Who, Who flies? Flies anymore? It's like what? What's that? What's that reference? I don't get it. Wheels up? What's that mean? I'm I'm from the Midwest, so uh, if it was under 18 hours driving distance, it was drivable. Uh, that's a it's classic the old man in the car like, oh, we're going to Colorado. It's a 16 hour drive to the Rockies. Oh, we can do that in one day. I don't and, even. And the Atlanta airport is so busy that if it's under five hours, you drive because you don't save any time. By the time you drive the airport and get through security and do all this stuff, it's a five hour window is oh. how long it takes you to get anywhere. Well. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome and welcome back, Scott. Uh, held down the fort last week. Uh, obviously, it was just me talking to myself for you know an hour, uh, but uh, that made it no different than most other days. So uh, appreciate you not running away, not standing me up today. And uh, you were telling me you're uh, let's just uh, personal business for a second. You're a uh, your tr- your kid was killing it out there at the baseball tournament that you were gone for. Yeah, we we were down there Thursday to uh, to Saturday, and the the boys the, they played well. I, I was I'm an assistant coach on the team, so overall the the boys really played well. The, the kids that needed to have good weekends had good weekends and finished the season strong, which was nice to see. Uh, one of the kids got his first home run, um, which was which was always good. And and yeah, my uh, my boy had a good weekend. He. He had, a, I think, he got out three times in six games and won the fastest man competition, four home runs. He, he's, he's, he's pretty good. You, you don't want to talk too much about it, but he's, he's, uh, he's a, he's a pretty good player. He's a pretty good baseball player. Well, awesome. That's, uh, I saw the Twitter that you put out with him. I think it was a yeah, home I run. It's, it's tryout season, so I'm gonna. I was like, all right, you know what? It, I'm gonna go ahead and do this and, and just put that out there and say, listen, you know, if, if you're if you're looking. You might want to look at this kid because he is he's going into seventh grade. It's starting to think about, you know, we got around here, you know, baseball's big. You know, we're in East Cobb. Most people who follow any kind of youth baseball have heard of East Cobb, which is, uh, you know, uh, right around here, North Metro. So, you know, a lot of kids around here are committed as freshmen in high school. You know, they're already getting their college scholarship offers and stuff. I'm like, he's going into seventh grade. It's, it's time to use the, the big account to gas him up a little bit. The platform, right? Uh, we got to get Chad on the Mile High Huddle one. Well, you guys go follow Scott on Twitter. How about while you guys are here, check out uh, how his kid has been killing on the on the base paths and at the plate. Uh, he did at, it a long way in Colorado. I promise you that. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Is the, the All Star Games at uh, Colorado this year? I think too, right? That's a sore subject in these parts. Oh, that's excuse me. You are correct. Um. Well, anyway, uh, Scott Kennedy. <laughs> follow him on Twitter at Scout Kennedy, and you can follow myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, guys, make sure you're checking out the main tw- or the Twitter accounts for our mothership at Mile High Huddle and also at Huddle Up Pod um, station identification. Obviously, this is Broncos for Breakfast. We're coming at you live every Tuesday and Thursday at eight o'clock Mountain Time. We might pump it uh, to seven thirty at some point just because things can get a little busier for me working on the Pacific Time. Might need to get out of here, but uh, today is not that day. So thank you for joining us today on here. Um, if you guys are on Facebook, please click those thumbs up. And while you're over there, please facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod, as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. Go there, join the communities, uh, at me on there, 
at me on Twitter. We'll have some football talk. It's a good time. It's it's dead season right now. So uh, sure honestly, is. this is a good time to really talk uh, hypotheticals, you know, really nerdy stuff. Because if you're joining us today, you are addicted, just like Scott and I are, to uh, the beautiful game of football. Um, YouTube folks, please subscribe, like, and share. And while you're over there as well, make sure you go on over to Scott's channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm going to put the auto sub uh, down there in the link. Um, Scott, you've been gone for a bit, but what's on either? Nothing. I, nothing's I, on the I've docket even? I, yeah, I've uh, I've been thinking uh, baseball and Euros for a week. Ooh, man. Uh, is about it. I know. I'm really excited for uh, – I'm a Germany football club supporter um, and uh, England today, and I have a few uh, British friends who have been saying it's coming home to me nonstop for the last six, seven days. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a fun one. Germany, man – Germany is really good against the teams that are w- over aggressive. They'll kill you, but the teams that sit back and play counters, they just struggle. So we'll see what the UK does or uh, excuse me, not the UK. I guess it's England technically um, in this game, but, uh, and also France getting knocked out, man. What a game yesterday, but let's say hello to everybody uh, in the chat coming in here. DBA saying, you don't know, you don't say Kathleen probably in reference to something that uh, we weren't in here yet. Well, when you're talking, <laughs> but DBA, I want to give you a shout you, out. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's always in here. Are she, don't want to assume. And um, they, uh, we appreciate you. Dez is in the house. Thumbs up. Uh, we got EJ in the house over on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and share if you join us on YouTube today, guys. Good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos Country. Bob Skinner in the house. Good morning, Broncos Country. We got the Slide and Glide bros. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning to do Slide and Glide, who's been a uh, really con- becoming a real consistent regular here for the show. So we appreciate you. Jason commenting about our earlier discussion, road trips better than airports. Um, it depends where you're going, right? Like I, if I'm flying international and, uh, I'm just, I don't even care. I'm in an airport. I'm so excited to be there. Um, us Dave morning fellows from Southern Arizona. Hopefully you're not melting. Hopefully you have an air conditioner. Gosh, Jason saying morning fellows. He's in Arizona. He's got an air conditioner. He, he better. I promise you, I promise you I that. It might not be working, but he's got one. Uh, it's too hot. Uh, Gary neighbors in the house. Go Broncos country. Nick and Scott. Uh, Greg Smith is in the house. I love Greg. He always says hello. He always says goodbye. And uh, that's, I appreciate the hell out of you, Greg. Albert Knopper's in the house. Hello, guys. Victor Rios is in the house. We got Tommy coming in here saying Bridgewater, Virginia. I don't know if that's where you're at, but uh, God bless Tommy. Thanks for joining us. Um, we got George Davis in the house. Good morning, Broncos fans from Arkansas. Um, oh, he's talking about uh, where his team, uh, good multiple Little League World Series visits here. Um, DBA saying, what's up, skill, uh, fellas? Welcome back, Scott. Oh, Kirk Cousins in the house also. Morning, boys. Welcome back, Scott. Good to see you. Good to see you. Oh, and we got Muhammad in here. Muhammad, there's no John today, so you're going to have to describe in the comment section what your super sticker is. You're still the king of the super stickers, but thank you so much for the $2 super. And uh, hello to you. We got Ashley's in the house, too. Morning, guys, watching from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Go Broncos. Let us know about where in Wisconsin. She's I have, here uh, for the Rogers talk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Coffee brewing from Korean. I got my uh, iced coffee today that I made, or over ice, which my coffee maker can make which is pretty great kenny booker in the house fellow staff writer good morning nick and scott get some broncos decor nick only one piece come on man well this is a shared office um this is my wife's desk here and uh the fact that i can hang this up at all i am appreciative you know it's like yes dear i love you dear like so she's a uh, she 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 put that up there for me so god bless her gary leeds palmer also the I would say the king of the superstars always coming in here, giving us the stars. Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Good to see you. Zebulon's in the house too. Um, potentially That's some Kevin. stars. What was that? That's Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Kevin. Zebulon's way more fun to say though. You gotta admit. <laughs> you gotta admit. Um, Bron and Scott in the house. Stay cool, Nick. High temps there. It's starting to cool off. Nick, you're my favorite streamer coming from Taylor. Well, 
find some better streamers tape knobs. Thank you. That re- that's really nice, man. I really do appreciate that. You don't get out much, huh? Is this your first stream? No, um, uh, Greg Smith. I appreciate you guys, Nick. Um, Ashley in the house. I live 20 minutes out of Green Bay. All right. Good times. My my mom's one of my mom's best friend is a the percussion teacher at uh University of Green Bay. So been there the many right a time. So that Go was uh she's she's wearing she's wearing the orange. So I think we got a Bronco here and not a not a Packers person. That's that's Broncos orange if I've ever seen it. And Scott is at the stadium from Charlie Beagle. Well, um, let's get into it. And a shout out again to Muhammad for the uh this this super sticker and guys like i said if you are not in a position to contribute to the show like muhammad is here then uh just subscribe to the show subscribe to scott's channel as well and uh you know that's something you can do that can be really helpful while not digging into your pocket um and there's the link as well if you guys want to do that so let's get into this let's me let me pull up the screen share here stalling look at just saying stalling while i'm stalling is the best method so I think today we're going to talk. So last, um, and can you guys see that? Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Pixelated or anything? Okay, cool. No, it looks good. Um, so great. We are going to talk the Broncos. Yes. Last, uh, Thursday we talked, I talked to the offensive line, uh, really dug through the offensive tackles, the interior offensive line, Quinn Miners, what Broncos can do about right tackle, Garrett Bowles emergence, et cetera, et cetera. Today I want to talk about probably what is my, the most interesting position for the Broncos, uh, in all of training camp leading up to the season, and uh, besides the quarterback position, which is interesting from a like uh, a sycophant kind of way, you know, it's just p- punish me. You know, thank you, sir. May I have another. Um, but it's the cornerback position for the Denver Broncos. And the cornerback position is one that for God, many years for the Broncos, it was. I mean, you guys know, you listeners know the no fly zone. Uh, Bradley Roby, Akib Talib, Chris Harris uh, Jr. That team, though, that secondary, those cornerbacks, their ability to uh, play man cut coverage across the board was literally probably the defining factor of that defense for 2015, 2016, and uh, either that or the pass rush, which was pretty darn good too. It's synergy, right? Everything feeds in itself. Um, was incredible. But over the last few seasons, the Broncos cornerback room has fallen off a cliff. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Last year, the Broncos were starting a late third round rookie, Michael Ojemudia, Bryce Callahan, who has never had a healthy season in his career, despite playing excellent last year. And uh, AJ Boye, who, I mean, when he was traded for, what did they give up? A fifth round pick, I think. Everyone's like, oh yeah, he still might have some good football in him, but he's been injured recently, and he's thirty one now. Um, that cliff could be coming off. Uh, the cliff could be approaching where he falls off. Turns out that's the case. The Broncos are playing literally their seventh and eighth string corners by the end of the season, and uh, that wasn't good enough. So the Broncos go out and attack it, and man, what a fun position to look at this season. Uh, before we dive into this team itself, though, Scott, I want you to talk to me about cornerback position in general. Um, I know that you are somebody, maybe you'll get a little bit of envy with this discussion today, given the position of the uh, Falcons cornerback room uh, right now. AJ Terrell, great pick. Thank you. Thank God you guys sniped him from the Raiders because the Raiders panicked and then took Damon Arnett, who looks like a bust. Um, but the cornerback position, uh, how valuable is it? Uh, what's the the trend right now? We always talk about like, you know, big quarterbacks playing baseball instead of football. The guys with those kind of arms. What's going on with the cornerback position in today's NFL? Just well, in general. Because the passing game has become so much more of a focus over the last 10 years. Like every rule change that's happened in the last 10 years has been to protect the quarterback, protect the receivers, all this type of thing that you have to have. You can't have enough cornerbacks. You just can't. Uh, you know, there, there used to be sayings about you can't have enough, you know, whatever position, but now it's, it's defensive backs. You can't have enough of them. You'll have six of them on the field a lot, maybe seven. I mean, what comes after nine? We, we can't call that the quarter package. Can we, 
We go nickel dime and then what? Fifteen cent package to get to get seven corners on the field or, or defensive backs on the field. But uh, it, what it's kind of done is, and, and I think why you see the the three four with your two guys that are edge rushers as much as anything with with Vaughn and Chubb is it's limited the effectiveness of the linebacker position a little bit because you have to get after the quarterback and you have to cover the receivers. And the running game has been disvalued. What's the word I'm looking for? Devalued. Yeah, devalued here a little bit. Um, you know, and, and I don't necessarily agree with that as much because, you know, if you can run the ball, it sets everything else up. It sets up play action. It sets up third and shorts, second and shorts, free plays, first down, clock control, all that kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why I think here in Atlanta, we're interested in seeing what Arthur Smith can do with that offense that he had at Tennessee. Now, he doesn't have Derrick Henry uh, or that same offensive line, but having multiple, multiple corners. So when we were talking about Patrick Sertan and the questions coming in is, you know, can he win a job or, you know, will he win the number one position? I'm like, listen, I don't know what position he's going to play. And I don't think they do either right now. He's going to play. He's going to be on the field a lot. He can play any one of five with his size physical ability, uh, you know, with his strength, strength and size and coverage ability, his fluidness and coverage, he can play five positions across any one of a nickel. He'll be on the field. So, and you you see here on our lads, which we're we're showing here, you know, they've got multiple corner positions, multiple defensive backs listed as number ones. You know, they're Mm -hmm. running, they're running four here and, and Sertan is one of them. Now, whether he's, one of the first two, maybe, maybe not, but he's going to play a lot of snaps. He'll play as many snaps as anybody. And it, it, it's a it's a pick that I'm looking forward to watching this year and for the next 10 years with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, no, that pick at the time uh, with Justin Fields staring at us in the face, all the Aaron Rodgers hype at the moment of the draft was uh, definitely a little bit of a, a shock to me. I thought they were going to go with a Rashawn Slater, somebody that they were hinted at a lot, if not the quarterback position. Um, but you know, the more I've had time to marinate on it and think about it, Patrick, Patrick Sertan makes a lot of sense. You guys know if you've been following my, my account on Twitter or myself forever that um, I really do devalue the linebacker position. Now, there are obviously guys who uh, five tool linebackers, three down linebackers, but for the most part, linebacker, as you've talked about, is a devalued position. Teams are teams know they can isolate those guys in coverage and pick on them over and over again. Good yeah, and, and if you're in a three, four, one of the, the those outside linebackers are hybrid defensive ends. So, yep. you know, I, I, I would hedge on that a little bit. It's like, well, you know, you're going to devalue Von Miller. No, mm-hmm. he's valued for what he getting yeah. after the passer like an end. So yeah. that's a that's a four, three defensive end, three, four outside linebacker. Same difference, in my opinion. I like uh, pro football focus, I think, was the first to do this, but uh, they kind of have changed the um, descriptors of these players where it's uh, instead of defensive end outside linebacker, which is so different, three, four to four, three. You kind of just talk about it, especially since four two five is essentially the base for most teams in today's NFL. Um, it's edge rusher, whether it be three four four three, um, and then also off ball linebacker, which to me means like they're not on the line of scrimmage, right? They're they're that one an off ball, so you know yeah. that that fits that fits too. So yep. So the yeah, you're right about Patrick Sertan though. Um, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Um, I've been screaming about defensive backs in general. Um, how you need to load up on the position. It's probably the I used to be a you need depth on the defensive line and edge rushing position, which I do believe is true, but I don't think it's to the same extent that you need depth at the cornerback position in today's NFL, given how it's a track, it's a track meetup out there. You're going to need bodies. And if you get injuries out there, your depth is going to show and good quarterbacks, they can isolate one player and go at them continuously. So 
if you can have four or five good cornerbacks, even though they're not all going to be starting, that's fine because eventually you're going to need them, whether it be injuries or just the flow of the game where guys are getting tired and somebody needs a chance to put their hands on their hips on the sideline for a second. Yeah, and the, the R lads here, it's 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 a little interesting because you look at their defense, they're running a new uh, 12-man defense, which is nice. That'd be really <laughs> – you know, you can run a you can run a three four and a nickel at the same time, um, but looking at this, you know, when 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 I first started talking to, to Chad about this, um, you know, help us help us do some of these things. I'm like, all right, what are your needs? And he put down corner twice. Well, then, so I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be you know, Patrick Sertan is probably going to be the guy that you're going to want to take in that spot. They did, but that was before free agency. Yeah. You know, so when we we talked about that, that was before free agency. So with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby coming in. How do you think they fit in here? You know, they obviously you can't start this defense because mm-hmm. it's 12. So, you know, who who's the odd man out? Uh, do you think right now in a, in a base, you know, on, on first down, who's who's on the sidelines? Man, this that, that's such a tough question. One that's been plaguing me since the draft happened. Good problem. Um, it's, a good, it's a good problem. to have. Yes, there are bad problems and there are good problems. And this is a good problem to have. Um, I guess because I'm always a long walk to a small drink of water. Um, the biggest thing here for this cornerback position is that you have some guys who have injury histories. Um, Bryce Callahan's never played a full season. Ronald Darby played a full season for the first time in his career last year. So while what is the starting two cornerbacks, what are the starting three cornerbacks going to be when everybody's healthy? That remains to be seen. I honestly don't have a clue right now. I would assume it's going to be what they have listed here with uh, Sertan, Fuller, and Darby. But man, Bryce Callahan was incredible last year. He's one of the best nickels in football. So uh, that's really hard to take him off the field, but you paid Darby huge money. I think Darby might be the most slept on Bronco on this team right now um, because of what the Broncos invested in him. I think he's only 27 years old last year. Go back and watch the tape. He was awesome last year for the uh, the Washington football team. Almost slipped there. Um, so it's going to be... It's going to be really interesting, but I think people are really sleeping on Darby. And when the Broncos signed Darby, also Vic Fangio said this was our number one target this offseason from other teams to bring him in. This is before Kyle Fuller became available, but like they really value Darby. And I think people are really writing him off right now because they know Bryce Callahan. He was great. Kyle Fuller, you know, former All Pro, and then the number nine overall pick. But Darby's really, really good when healthy, and he's still young. And I'll tell you what, what's interesting to me is you start talking about age. And what's interesting to me is NFL corners are arguably the best athletes in the world, period. You know, I might figure out uh, somewhere in the NBA and say, okay, a shooting guard maybe or a point guard might be that guy. But the corner is the most athletic position on the football field, hands down. If you start looking at combines, best shuttles, best L-cones, best 40s, all that kind of stuff all comes from the cornerback position. So you'd think – but that's a position that you're going to lose fairly quickly with age, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. not necessarily so because it's also a smart position, you know? So as these guys lose a step, you know, and if they're smaller, they can still play this position until for, you know, Darby can play at a high level at corner for another three, four years, you know, and then maybe he goes to free safety if he wants to finish off his career or, you know, a, a full-time nickel or something like that. But even if they start losing a step, because it is, it's, it's a little bit of a contradiction when we talk about, Guys and their quick twitch, yes, that's that's the first to go when we're talking about uh, aging. But the experience there and the technique might be the most important at the cornerback position than any other position, except maybe you know interior offensive line. So um, you know, I, I like I like how you're discussing. He's 27, which when you start slowing down, start thinking about maybe slowing down a little bit when you start thinking about running backs and these athletes and stuff. But 
not not necessarily. He's got another four years at a high high level if he's if he's able to stay injury free. Yeah. So I mean, the Broncos again, they targeted him, they valued him, um, they think he's going to be a great scheme fit. Where historically, I think Darby has been better in more of a man scheme, um, but that's just been more what he's been asked to do. And with the Broncos, they play it's match quarters, it's matchup zone, so it looks like man a lot of times. It's very. God, coverage is probably the most complex thing to talk about in football right now with uh, how much they're asking these guys to do. But I'm, I think Darby's going to be really good this year if he can stay healthy. Uh, but that's the kicker, right? He, last year is the first year he's ever stayed healthy. Um, so if that can hold true this year, then that's great. Um, but I don't think I'd bank on Darby and Callahan both staying healthy for a full 17-game schedule. So the Broncos have four guys. Who are they going to play? I think it's going to unfortunately just the reality of it, it'll play itself out and whoever is available is going to be playing. Yeah. And there, there's, there's plenty of 17 game schedule. There's plenty of playing time. And as long yes. as you're, you're, you're having success and winning, people will be happy splitting time. You know, I mean, nobody's happy splitting time, but it makes it a whole lot easier when you're winning and you're being part of it. You're staying fresh. And frankly, the guys that get a little older are happy to save their bodies a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's healthy competition out there and, Hopefully everybody stays healthy and there will be plenty, plenty of football for all of these guys. If they, if they're living up to their potential. Yeah. So guys, let us know what you think about Darby in the comment section. Let's get to a few of these comments real quick. We got Jeremy coming in saying, uh, if healthy, our past defense has to be top 10 or something is seriously wrong. Um, it would be pretty shocking. If not, the only way I could see it not being top 10 is if the Broncos offense is putrid this year. And, uh, that means that they are having a really hard time, um, attacking right they're having to be much more reactive on the defensive side of the football they still should be top 10 probably even if the offense is bad again this season um but you know what i might go the other way because if you're giving the ball around you know then then you're gonna wear them down with a running game so i I might think that in the other direction having watched the falcons play is if the offense is really good and teams are playing from behind and they have to throw yeah. You know, and then then maybe then maybe they're running up some stats a little bit, you know, but that, that might not necessarily be as important. Yeah, I guess I should have prefaced that where I'm talking more of a efficiency standpoint rather than raw raw volume, because yeah. obviously, um, if you have a great offense, you're going to give up more garbage type yards. I don't put much stock in uh, raw statistics. I'm much more on the efficiency side of things. Um, EJ coming in here saying you need five to seven quality corners in today's NFL with how. A pass happy league with how pass happy the league has become. Yeah, good point, EJ. And that's something that I think has been really true over the last few seasons um, for the NFL in general. Defense year to year, because it relies on 14 to 15 good players all being healthy, all being on the team at the same time, it's really volatile. It's impossible. I'm literally going to say it's impossible to uh, stack incredible top three defenses year after year after year. Um, but the teams that have been the closest to doing that have been the teams that have great depth in the secondary. So the Minnesota Vikings attacking the secondary a lot have had a top 10 defense almost every single year. The wheels fell off last year for the defensive tackle position for them, but really good defense year after year. And the number one that comes to mind is the uh, Baltimore Ravens who have invested so heavily at safety cornerback and uh, actually kind of devalued the edge rusher position, which, which I think is interesting. They draft them, they develop them, they let them go for comp picks. That's been the Ravens uh, motto for that edge rushing position, but the cornerback, they invest heavily and they've probably been the most stable uh, great defense year to year over the last five, six years. So uh, kind of beating the trend there. So good point, EJ. Um, and we got a super coming in here. Let's get to that guy real quick. Um, okay. Uh, Mac 85 city saying, can in the coal mine? I watched and gave the thumbs up. So uh, Luke and I, um, I guess I'm showing my age here. I had a brain fart. I definitely heard about it when uh, 
um, we talked about it. Like, oh yeah, of course, I've I've heard of that. But uh, so Luke asked me what that was, and I was like, Canary in the coal mine. I've heard of it. I could not tell you exactly what it means. It's so, Canary uh, in the coal mine. Yes, in the coal mine. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, what's, uh, what's a coal mine? Are those still legal? Are we allowed to do those anymore? Uh, there's a bunch of mines in uh, yeah, the mountains. Yeah, we're allowed to talk about them. I think is how it works. You got to be careful in the mines out here in Washington. There's a bunch you'll stumble upon in uh, in the mountains. And uh, some of them, they have like poison gas that you'll just drop dead. And some of them have big drops and very unstable, but you'll, you'll happen upon them. So got to be careful. Um, stay out of mines, kids. Don't let your kids play in mines. Yeah, <laughs> we got Tommy. Not yeah. all of them come out and turn into Batman. <laughs> uh, Tommy Simmers coming in here saying, uh, we have, we have to have a pass rush to maximize the draft picks and contracts in the secondary corners. Don't get picks. Rushers do, unless it's Bailey or Revis. And I mean, this it's true for both, right? Like, if your cornerbacks can hold an extra half second, your pass rush is going to get home more often. If your pass rush is getting home, your cornerbacks jobs are going to be easier. If your team has a lead, if your team is not giving, turning the ball over and giving the other team plus field position, like all these things really matter. If your offense uh, is holding onto the football, right? Like all these things lead into maximizing your contracts, your secondary, your pass rushers, et cetera. That's what makes people say football is the ultimate team game. But I mean, really it is because everything depends on, itself it's a positive feedback loop uh so to speak so um i agree with you tommy and last year like why is the broncos secondary are so bad in a, the turnover department well you lose von miller your secondary is dinged up and your offense is bad ding 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 you're not going to create many turnovers because you're not pressing the other team to be aggressive with the football yeah I, i'm i'm this i agree the same way turnovers start with with uh, the defensive line you know pre- pressure pressure tells in, in any sport uh, pressure tells, and that's where it starts uh, starts going. And then, and then you got to have guys that can make the plays. Obviously, you know that aren't just holding and panicking because um, you know they've gotten beat. So it it is it's uh, it's all a lot of synergy there, a lot of synergy. Um, and and offensive football, I think, is the ultimate team game. Uh, you know, the offensive side. I, I've I've told this story before when I when I first started uh, scouting and talking to kids. I said, you know, all these top level guys, and most of them played both ways. So which which you like better? He's like, I like defense better. I said, how come? He goes, he goes, because I can dictate the play on defense. I'm like, all right, I like that. That's a good answer. So, um, you know, you can have 10 guys fall down, but if, if you, one guy, if Von Miller goes in and sacks quarterback, the play's over. You know, you can, on offense, you can have 10 guys do their job. One guy holds, play's over. One guy doesn't block Von Miller, the play's over. So it's it's hard. And that, maybe that's why all the rules have gone towards the offense lately, but it's it's hard to play offense. It is. Fantasy football gets uh, eyeballs on a lot of games that otherwise people wouldn't be watching. I mean, there's a reason that, uh, what is it? Uh, the red zone is the most watched, one of the most watched games every single week because people just want to see points and they want to see if their fantasy football team is winning. Um, but we got EJ coming here with a good question um, or comment, I guess. Uh, Patrick Sertan can match up well with bigger tight ends and running backs given his speed above our linebackers that can't cover. Um, and I think that's just the way the game is going. We saw Vic after they drafted uh, Patrick Sertan talk about how he's going to play more four cornerback, six defensive back sets this season. And uh, Scott, I guess I'll uh, volley this over to you. Um, the Broncos, are, do you think the over under 3.5 uh, cornerbacks on the field, is it going to be closer to four or is it going to be closer to two this season? Well, three's a nickel, four's a dime. So, yeah. you know, so I might go under that and, okay. and be a base nickel. You know, and say that that it, your your base is gonna be gonna be three with safety. So a base nickel would be under, and then I think you'd be more in a two than a five. Or um, now I'm getting confused. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be more more in a in a base 
two than a dime, but mm-hmm. you're going to be in a nickel more than than anything. So yep. I would say I would go under with that and, and go towards a three. Yep. But this is a good comment, Sertan. I think you saw it um, when I guys pulled it up after the draft and a couple people stole this tweet, which made me laugh a lot. But um, the mock draftable um, is a website where they kind of show the spider graphs of all these guys' metrics, their size and how they uh, relate to other athletes that have been tested. And uh, the number one defensive back that Patrick Sertan's uh, athletic testing size uh, linked up with was uh, Derwin James, who the Chargers went from the, I think, the 31st team against tight ends, according to DVOA, the year before they drafted Derwin James, to number one. So everybody's screaming about linebacker, linebacker, you need these linebackers, which, yes, I mean, would it be great to get a Luke Geekly out there? Absolutely. Sign me up, please. Um, but uh, So here's here's my hypothetical on that, Nick. So what's the what's the concern if you've got Sertan on Kelsey? What's the concern there? Um, I guess the concern is that the Chiefs or whoever will line up or audible to a, a run play mm-hmm. uh, at the line of scrimmage, and then you're going to give up four or five yards on okay. a run play. Yep. But like, good, good think, answer. Good that. answer. So your concern is that he's going to get overpowered in the rush. Yes. So the concern of a linebacker on Kelsey is he won't be able to cover him. So what are you more comfortable with? Sertan standing up Kelsey at the line of scrimmage or a linebacker dropping into coverage with Kelsey? I know I know my answer on that. I, I know where I'd go with that one. Absolutely. You know? And this is this is a core tenant of Vic Fangio recently as yeah, well, I, where he's I, like I would absolutely say he can stand up Kelsey and let other guys swarm around mm-hmm. rather than, you know, rather than having a, a, a 260 pound linebacker in coverage against Kelsey. I know where I'd go. Yep. Absolutely. Vic Fangio. Uh, really baits teams into running the football. Um, he uses his safeties to come downhill and gap fill like he would, uh, many teams would, the linebacking position. Um, and they do a lot of funneling as well for the linebacking position. So I, people want the Broncos to invest heavily in linebacker, but Vic Fangio does not ask a lot of these guys. He puts them in position to succeed pretty well uh, with what they do. Um, talking to Cody Alexander a lot on Twitter about that recently. You guys should go check him out. Um, he's He's written multiple books on defensive schemes and coverages. Uh, he's pretty darn good Co- uh, at Coach A, I believe. Um, but uh, you're absolutely right. And it's also what's li- what's the what's more likely to co- create a home run, the run play or the pass play? And in today's NFL, it's not the days of you know limiting teams to sixty yards total gained or like three and outs constantly. I think those days are over. Um, if you can limit the big plays and make a team have to march the ball down the field 10, 12, 10, 12 plays without making a mistake, without making a penalty. And it's even harder to score touchdowns once you're in the red zone compared to uh, the 40 yard line, the 50 yard line because of the space. I'm signing up for that every time. And if they can score a touchdown, marching at 12 plays down the field without making a single mistake, hats off, do it again the next drive. But uh, those home run plays, that's when you get killed. And we've seen that with the Chiefs, Buccaneers last year, all these teams. It's the home run hitting teams that are the killer offenses. And there's a decent discussion going in. Someone, I think, uh, dropped in dropped in some bait. And it's Uh-oh. been taken about Champ Bailey being overrated. Mm. Oh, no. Uh, he was incredible, guys. <laughs> I mean, of corners. And, you know, my question on that always is, well, where do you rate him? You know, so if you say, oh, he's overrated, well, where's he, where do you rate him? If you say he's the best cornerback of all time, eh, maybe. Maybe a little overrated there. Maybe not. But if you're saying a, a, a top five guy, you know, top five of the modern era at corner. No, I don't. I don't think that's overrated. But but anyway, um, so I'm, I'm interested. I am watching these. I don't respond to all of them, uh, and I appreciate the welcome back from so many of you. So thank yeah. you very much. Um, 
I want to get to this real quick from Zebulon, just because you had a lot of uh, you were very high on Sertan coming into this. Um, mm-hmm. Who's your pro comparison? Some people say Richard Sherman. I think Sertan is a better athlete than Sherman. Um, I think he's more scheme versatile. We haven't seen Sherman do much outside of the cover three scheme, which he's dominant at. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he, it's kind of like he's a knuckleball pitcher, right? He's got he's got his niche. But uh, Sertan is more rounded, I would say. No, and I, I once you have one of those that stick in your mind, you stay with it, and it's hard to flush those guys out of there. So when I think physical corners, which Patrick Sertan is, the first guy that always comes to mind for me is Rod Woodson. Mm. You know, so if, if you get Rod Woodson light, you know, speaking of one of the greatest of all time, yeah, then then you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty happy. So you know, the ceiling on this guy, best case scenario is you're, you're talking to Rod Woodson. Um, it, would I say, oh, he's the next Rod Woodson? No, no, that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on anybody. But as far as modern comparison, the physical type of ability that he has, the physical nature of his game, you know, Rod Woodson was a, was a fluid safety playing corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I see Sertan coming out. Mm-hmm. Do you have a modern comparison? Not, not as much. Um, you know, I, I haven't kept up with the, the the pro game as much as you know. I, I know old guys better than the newer guys, so I, I got some I got some catch up to do. Uh, my pro comparison would be uh, Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think that Sertan maybe is a little bit more physical, but as far as the length, um, maybe not always the best sticking on those really quick twitch guys, um, but can do some inside outside stuff and uh, the length. Man, just the length is incredible for both those guys. So uh, that's the one that sticks in my head. Um, but yeah. I really love Rod Woodson. That's yeah. that's the the ceiling. I typically yeah, try I mean, not that, to give that's guys. That's arguably the best ever play the game. Yeah. You know, but a, a physical guy. I mean, like, you know, I'm a I'm a Deion Sanders fan. You know, he he mm-hmm. made Atlanta relevant when he was drafted in 1989. Yep. Uh, was here for four years, I think, uh, and is in their ring of honor, however you want to call it, for four years. I mean, that's how good he was. But he was he's almost like. Um, when we're talking performance cars, he's a little bit like a Tesla. He's more of a one-trick pony. Yeah. It's just that, you know, the Tesla one trick is that can go can go zero to sixty in blazing speed. It's absolutely amazing. That one trick is world eye popping. And and Dion was like that. His one trick was he could take a guy and take him out of the game. Yeah. Um, he had more than that because if he got the ball in his hand, he was going to score. Um, so, but Rod Woodson, I think, was probably more of a complete player. Uh, than Dion, but again, I say you don't necessarily. I don't argue levels of elite because you can win either way. And if Nick, you were going to say I like Rod Woodson, and I'd say I like Dion Sanders, I wouldn't argue with you. I'm like that's a good pick. I can. Yeah. Um, we got Max Powers coming in over or Max Power with the uh, five dollar pound. I think that's not the euro sign. It's the pound sign. Nope, that's the pound. Yep. That's okay, the pound. so uh, three lines on the shirt there for Max. Um, sorry about uh, cheering against your unless you are. You know, like Scottish or Irish. Yeah, so case, I, I got to know, like Max, Max, who's your who's your club team? Because with a name like Power, because I know we had a Lester fan in here, and they play at King Power, so that yes. would uh, that would be a, a good one. Um, we got Max, though. Thank you so much, Max, for being generous uh, with your time and also your hard-earned cash. Uh, showing some love to my favorite host, man, Max, too kind. Uh, who are your guys' top three under the radar guys who don't get much love but should? Um, one of mine would be Ronald Darby still. Um, are you, and I'm just going to keep this to the Broncos, uh, in general. Um, but number one for me would be Ronald Darby. The Broncos paid him a big contract. Um, he was really talented last year. He's only 27 years old. I think he was drafted. He must've been a young 21 because he's still, he feels like he's been in the league forever. Um, second round pick, I think for the Eagles and, uh, maybe a late, no, he was a second rounder Florida state. Um, I think also, and, uh, he's 
everyone's talking about Bryce Callahan, rightfully so. Everybody's talking about Kyle Fuller, rightfully so. Patrick Sertan, number nine overall pick. Hell yeah, I'm excited. But um, don't sleep on Darby, right? He, I feel like he deserves a little bit more hype than he's getting. Another under-the-radar guy, I think that while he's never going to be an absolute star, um, I think he was the best Broncos linebacker last year, and that's uh, Josie Jewell. Um, he's got limitations as far as his size and his uh, overall speed, his top-end speed, but he's twitched. He's extremely instinctual, and uh, he's just rarely ever out of position. He was a zero-star guy that went to the University of Iowa, um, grew up on a turkey farm in northern Iowa, right on the border of Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, and a fourth-round pick. And he's on his last year of his contract, but right now, I mean, he's he's solid, right? Like, you can do far worse than Josie Jewell. He's not going to make mistakes, and uh, that's what you need from your linebacking position. Um, the other under-the-radar guy on this team, honestly, I might go Melvin Gordon. Uh, he was top five, top 10 down the stretch last season. He's still a pretty darn good running back. Um, and the Broncos interior offensive line was struggling for the most part last year. But when Drew Locke, you know, had his big, big steps forward last year, the last six games or whatever it was, Melvin Gordon was the engine running the offense. So um, I think he's a little bit under the radar. Everybody likes the new shiny thing, Javonta Williams, which they should. I'm really excited about him. But uh, Melvin Gordon's still a good running back. And uh, I would expect him to get his due this season. He's, he's, you know, he's talented. And I cheat on this a little bit because I, I try and consider that most people aren't as crazy as we are in here. And mm-hmm. I, I said, we, these type of pods and what we do for a living, we, we cater to the lunatic fringe of sport mm-hmm. fans. And I can say that with a, with an, an honestly, cause I was always head lunatic. Yeah. So yeah. we're all lunatics in here. Yes. So, you know, if you look at the, if you ask the average Broncos fan, they might not know who Patrick Sertan is. You know, he's never never played it down for them. They're not necessarily watching the draft. You know, you got 4 million Broncos fans worldwide. How many of them actually know who Patrick Sertan is and all that stuff? Not as many as you'd think. So when they picked him, I'm like, this, this guy's going to be a star. So for me, that's a little bit under the radar. Um, I like Cortland Sutton. Sutton. I'm going to call him Sutton again, and you guys are going <laughs> to laugh at him. Just start laughing at me. We'll have to put a dollar in the tip jar or something every time I, I say Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Um, coming off an injury, coming back, comeback player of the year. That, that's where I hope that he finishes the season. People are forgetting how good he was around the league. No, nobody talks about him as one of the best receivers in the league. I promise you. They will and they should. Um, so I'm going that way. And then uh, Quinn Miners. I, I like mm-hmm. I like Quinn Miners coming in here. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the belly of the beast coming in. And um, he, he should get some time. He should be number two at worst across three different positions. And with yep. injuries – with a 17 game season, I think we're going to see we're going to see a little bit of Quinn Miners this year too coming in as a rookie. And then you know I can cheat again and, and say running back Javonta Williams, he's really good. Yeah. He's he's really yeah. good. So those might not be guys that this group would consider under the radar, but across you know if you happen to find us you know googling Broncos pods and you happen to watch us like I want to learn more about the Broncos, you might not know how good Javonta Williams and Patrick Sertan are coming in as yeah. uh, coming in for the draft, and they're they're going to be impact players this year for sure. Yeah, good calls all around. I do think it will be we talked about I oh, talked about this real quick before I forget. I'm sorry, Nick. Yes, Daryl Green. Absolutely. Daryl Green. There, there's still the chat conversation going on about the cornerbacks. Nick won't remember Daryl Green. I, I will. I, I'm an 80s kid. Daryl Green, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys can Google this while while we're talking. I think it was his mom where he got his speed. Because yeah, he was still running in the four threes at 40 years old. They used to do those like wide world of sports things where they'd have competitions with different athletes and stuff. They'd bring in two football players and they'd run a 60 
is what they'd run at the time. And Daryl Green, they quit doing them because no one would race against Daryl Green because um, <laughs> he was still that fast. And, and I'm pretty sure that that his mom was the track star in that team. So he got a speed from his mama. And he uh, he's phenomenal. He's he's an all-time guy for sure. Good, good call on that one. Yeah, and uh, sorry about the plane going over here. Um, living close <laughs> to SeaTac, that's going to happen sometimes. Um, windows open because it's actually cooler than it's been in a while. Um, but uh, I think you said Miners leaving the number two across three different positions. I am curious to see if what happens with between him and uh, everybody's talking about Cushionberry versus Miners, but uh, Natane Moody versus uh, Quinn Miners as well is going to be an interesting battle. And let's get to Peter's stars here real quick. Um, hope you had a great holiday, Scott. Uh, did you hear about the number of takeaways for Ojemudia? One of the stats had him fourth in the NFL. Wonder if he will get more playing time than people expect. Um, I don't know what specific stat you're talking about. That would be interesting um, to see. I know that he had a beautiful pick week one that was nullified because of a roughing the passer or defensive holding, something like that. I think Shelby Harris committed a penalty that got in a beautiful Ojemudia sack taken away. But Ojemudia, the way this Broncos team is set up is hopefully you won't need to see Ojemudia that much this year starting, but that's okay because you still have three years left of control. And for a rookie cornerback, that's gold. Um, so this year, if he's the fifth cornerback and he's getting mostly special teams reps, that's fine. He's growing, he's developing. And next year you have two Broncos cornerbacks that are going to be free agents um, in uh, Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller. And what the Broncos do with those two guys probably depends on what Ojemudi is doing behind the scenes, because he definitely could be a starting boundary cornerback on this team. And now what you'd hope to have for his rookie year where he's starting and learning, that's what he gets this year. So he got, you know, he, uh, what did I say? They cut his teeth last year. Um, he's going to have a year to kind of just grow a little bit, learn the def- uh, game more and more. After they benched him, they brought him back. He was much better. Uh, I would not sleep on Ojemudia as far as his long-term prospects. Um, but for 2021, specifically how this team stacks up, if he's starting, that means something probably went wrong. Or he just stepped up. Or he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things we talk about with, you know, first-round draft picks or, you know, y- y'all hear me talk about recruiting and, and stars again. You know, if you if you sign 24 and five-star guys and three three-star guys, you're going to have a good class. Those yeah. three-star guys might end up outplaying those other ones, but it means that, you on the whole, those guys are beating out four and five star guys. It means we miss those three star guys. So you've got these big names. They're proven. They're good. We, we know that we're going to get. And if they're healthy and this kid outplays them, so be it. It, it yeah. doesn't mean the others are necessarily a bust. It means he raises level beyond expectations. That's a good thing. And, that, and that's what comes with the competition that we've been talking about at this position. It's stacked. So it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean matter who has the position. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be locked down. It, it, there's yep. there's so many good players there that whoever wins these jobs, it's gonna be a plus position for the Denver Broncos, and that's a really really good position to be in. No no pun intended. Um, going back to Daryl Green and Herschel Walker, I saw that one on there. Herschel's Herschel's uh, you know he, he's a legend, arguably the the best college football player of all time. Herschel was about 240 pounds. He outweighed three of his offensive linemen on that 1980 national championship team. We want to talk about freak of all freaks. But when Herschel ran, Herschel was the fastest to 20 yards. So I don't know if you can see my hands. When he ran and he'd run against some of these guys like Daryl Green, it kind of looked like this in a 60. Poof! <laughs> and then he'd get caught. So, But he was an indoor 60 meters champion, uh, Herschel was. But uh, across top speed, Daryl Green was faster than he was. But it, it Herschel Walker was the freak of all freaks in nature. You'll, you won't see another guy like him again unless, unless you got Shaq – you know, Shaq out there running a four-two. 
because you're talking about a guy that outweighed three of his offensive linemen in college on a national championship team. It's not going to happen again. Jason Oway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> about, I mean, freaks, freak of freaks. Um, we got Broncos 17 and 0 with the super sticker. Um, I'm going to have to imagine what it is. And uh, it's, it's Drew Locke slash Teddy Bridgewater holding up a Lombardi trophy after the season. So uh, thank you very much for that beautiful super sticker. That's I'm imagining in my mind, Broncos 17 and 0. Um, and the $20 Superman, you are. Yeah. And let us know. You, you get to put in requests. You know, we, we appreciate the support, but you know, I, I feel guilty if we're not, we're not calling out your, your specific questions. So let us, let us know anything that you want us to, to, uh, to, to touch on. Yeah, no, absolutely. We got Vinny J coming in here too. Good morning, gentlemen. Season's getting close. This is, you know, some people are like, oh, this is a boring time of year. We can really get off the rails and uh, have a fun time uh, discussing what, what all is going to happen here. And just, you know, it's, it's much more, uh, loose flow which really leads itself into the live stream podcast format so that's a lot of fun peter coming back in here saying i remember the many pre-draft worries about certain not being a good fit for the broncos from seven several mhh staff have they gone now um for me it was more so playing the off ball boundary position for certain because when you saw him go up against quick twitch receivers on the boundary he got beat i mean that's just it is what it is right and i preferred caleb farley's twitch i think if you were playing one-on-one on an island in like the 20 yard line and you're saying, okay, that guy has to stop the wide receiver from scoring a touchdown. I would, and without like safety help as well and everything, I would probably take Caleb Farley because I think he is the better pure athlete. Um, he is a little bit older, but like his, for real, if, like, like the Titans might have gotten the best cornerback in this draft, but the back issues, the really concerning, they're also the same back issues that uh, uh, Tiger Woods had, which we saw how uh, debilitating that has been for him. Um, it just, you know, you never know what's going to need another surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, one-on-one on an island for the Broncos, what they were running schematically last year as a boundary cornerback, I preferred Farley, but, but for Sertan, I think he is more versatile. I think he is probably a better fit for the holistic effect of the defense because he is such a good tackler and intelligent. And uh, Vic Fangio, we know from his, his history is he is not a, this is my scheme. We have to do this year after year kind of guy. He matches his scheme to what his players do best. And a Sertan, if that means that the Broncos have to play more press, on the boundary, Vic will do that. If that means that they're going to play Sertan over the slot as kind of a star position, kind of that heavier safety cornerback hybrid, Vic will do that. Um, so, and Sertan's also two years younger. He's extremely intelligent. He's a great tackler. So, uh, as far as a pure boundary cornerback for off coverage, Caleb Farley, I preferred. But the and again, light came on after the Broncos drafted him. This team needs help in the middle of the field. They need help stopping tight ends. That all points to Sertan. And, and for me, when you've got a top 10 pick, I don't necessarily want to draft for scheme. Yeah. Um, you know, because scheme, not only, as, as Nick is saying, schemes are going to change internally. You know, you're going to run different defensive best based on personnel. But the other part of that is, is coordinators change. Head coaches change all the time. So as a general manager, I don't want to use a top 10 pick on a scheme pick because the scheme can change. You know, we might be changing coaches. Uh, I want – if I need a corner, I want the best corner available. In my opinion, and the word that Nick used was versatile. In my opinion, the best corner in this draft was Patrick Sertan, which is why mm-hmm. I said him. And we talked about schemes and how we might fit and all that type of stuff. But you're drafting for the next 12 years, not necessarily for the next 12 months. And for me, injuries aside, Sertan was a better player. So either way, I, if, if, Farley's, if, Farley, if Farley's healthy um, – you're going to have a pretty good player there too, but I, I was a fan of the Sertan pick from the get-go. 
And I will say, we'll see how it plays out, but I know that the Bears offered the same deal um, to the Broncos that they ended up giving to the Giants, where I think it was a first and a third this year and a first in 2022. Um, And that would have put the Broncos in the range to, I think they could have gotten Caleb Farley, if that was the case, or Greg Newsome. I think I'm really excited about into the second round, didn't he? No, he was the Titans pick. Okay. He's first round pick for the Titans. Okay. They took, um, so he was 20, 21, 22, somewhere around there. I'm thinking of some, there, somebody else that was supposed to go up there pretty high fell in the second. I'll have to figure out who yeah. that is and talk about that on Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he fell there and I'm like, I'm really excited about Sertan. I do wonder if the, a better process would have been trading back and uh, taking a Greg Newsome, uh, Jason away, maybe um, a Jalen Phillips or a uh, Caleb Farley while also getting that first round pick in 2022. Again, that's not me saying that, oh, man, I hate Patrick Sertan. It's just uh, pondering the possibilities, right? Like the, the what could have been. Um, and uh, either way, what played out, what played out. And I'm really excited to have uh, Sertan on this defense. Um, he's going to be a decade-long decade, decade long player. Um, I think it's also going to be awesome to see Broncos fans wearing that number two uh, Patrick Sertan jersey now that the NFL has changed those number rules. Um, but, uh, it's, again, if the Broncos are still looking for quarterback next year and uh, – or like looking to trade for a Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, having that extra first round pick might've been the kicker to get it over the top. Um, but the, it's really hard to be upset about having a great player. It's kind of like the same viewpoint as a uh, Bradley Chubb and Josh Allen. Like would the Broncos be in a better position if they had taken Josh Allen fifth overall instead of Bradley Chubb, no dip, right? Like he, he's one of the m- most talented ascending players in football right now, but man, that doesn't mean I don't absolutely love love Bradley Chubb and he's a, a cornerstone piece for this team. And hopefully they can figure the cornerback quarterback position uh, out because then you can take advantage of it. I saw people earlier, like you're talking about uh, champ Bailey being overrated, overrated champ Bailey wasn't overrated. He just, you know, got limited because the, the offense was only going so far and the defense around him wasn't as uh, incredible as you'd hope because a cornerback, even in a first ballot hall of famer can only move the needle so much. And I don't want that to be the case for talking about Bradley Chubb, Patrick Sertan also, where both great players, both pro bowlers, maybe even all the pros at some point, but because they don't have the quarterback position figured out, you know, they're all, oh, they're overrated. No, they're not overrated. It's just that even though they're valuable positions, they're not the quarterback. It still takes a team. And, uh, you know, until they get that, it's going to be like, well, we have good players, but la da, you know, coming back to like Joe, Tom- Joe Thomas, all those years, great player. First ballot hall of famer. Browns were absolutely garbage. The one player can only take him so far. You can't far. use the Browns as an example. I've told you this before. You can't use the Browns. Okay. It's like talking baseball in New York Mets. You know, they're just there's just franchises that are just doomed to yeah. lose no matter what. That's you can't use them as your they're they're the outlier. Yeah. So no, but there, there's a phrase, there's a phrase in, in scouting and recruiting and drafting all this stuff that it's not the player you miss that hurts you, it's the player you take that can't play. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So if, if you take a guy and, and he can't play, that's what hurts you more than the guy. Oh, man. So, again, if Sertan turns out to be the guy, you're happy. You're happy. You might, yep. you might have some whataboutism going on. Oh, we could have had this guy, could have this yeah. guy. But, you know, if you get if you get Sertan and Sertan turns out to be worthy of, uh, you know, a top 10 pick, you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy there. Yeah. If you hit doubles every time, you're going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And Patrick Sertan, that maybe wasn't swinging for a home run. But gosh darn, that was as close to hitting a guaranteed double as you can get. And uh, in the top 10, where the Broncos were picking, given the value position as well, it's not like they were drafting an interior offensive lineman or a running back or a safety or a linebacker. Like, hell yeah. Like, sign me up. Uh, Shane Daniels coming in here, the $10 super over on YouTube. YouTube listeners, like, subscribe, and share. Um, I believe uh, Patrick Sertan II is going to be used like Tlaib was used in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. Tlaib took Gronk out of the play in the red zone. I mean, 
I think you're going to see Sertan matched up against the tight ends a lot, especially when the tight ends are detached from the line of scrimmage. Um, they're going to lay him out, out there, maybe overhang position, also something that Vic Fangio hasn't done that much historically. But again, Vic Fangio, he is an innovator of defense, so we will see what he does with uh, Sertan and that defense. Well, and, and I think when we're talking about the the cornerback room, you've got some veterans in there. You know, let them play assignment football, right? The guys that, you know, aren't going to get lost out there. Make sure that they're doing their jobs. Make sure they're playing their assignment football. And then maybe Sertan freelances a little bit. You know, talking okay. using the same example on defense, when I've got a guy who might not necessarily have the greatest instincts in the world, but he's a hell of an athlete, so I drop him in on third down and say, you got one job, go be the quarterback. You know, and and that's that's kind of how you might do with Sertan as well. Could happen where you you let, let him freelance a little bit in the, in the defensive backfield or just give him one job, but not necessarily the the assignment football that you expect out of your your front two guys who have been in the league for a while and your veterans, at least first year, you know, yeah. the first year. So I think that's a good comment, and we, uh, we appreciate the, the sticker on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good question here from uh, Darab coming here. Gronk got double teamed, didn't he? I mean, that's kind of the case with a, um, a Gronk, like <laughs> probably the best stretch of an offensive Definitely a best stretch of a tight end we've ever seen. Not the duration of a Gates or a uh, um, Tony Gonzalez, but like his peak years were incredible. I mean, also nobody was doing what he was doing in the tight end position either, which makes it even more rare. Um, but uh, Gronk double bring, team. I'm thankful that they helped bring back the tight end position. You know, yes. it, it just, it, it was crazy to me that that got phased out for a while. I'm like big and fast. What ha- what's wrong with big and fast? What, when did that go out of style? You know, yeah. it, with these, these Smurf wide receivers, the greatest show on turf. You know, like I've said a zillion times as the old guy, I grew up with the 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 eye formation dynasties of the Cowboys and 49ers. Two big receivers, fullback, big running back, big tight end, win a lot of games. What's what's wrong with that? When did that go out of style and why? It still works. So I was very happy to see the tight end coming back because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a sadist. I like seeing those 260-pound guys running loose in the secondary. It's funny watching these corners and safeties bouncing off them. It's fun. That's why we like football, right? I think a lot of those tight ends uh, moved to the more money position of defensive end, at least the elite athletes. And it kind of made a, a talent gap for that kind of position. That's just, you know, the theory there, but. Uh, and, it, and it's, and it's, it's switching over again. Cause they're not allowed to hit the quarterbacks anymore. Yep. You know, like yep. you've heard me rant on this before the get off my lawn moment. I'm like, why would you play defense? You're not allowed to hit anybody. You can't cover you and, and you can't tackle. Yep. And I'm going to go play find basketball, basketball too. Um, but the, let's get to back to this cornerback room. I don't think we have any chats that are missing. Um, Kyle Fuller, I think you can pencil him in as a starter this year. I'm not expecting, I think a lot of people, especially in Broncos, are more than the casual fan, but like NFL fans in general. Oh, Kyle Fuller, all pro coming back with Vic. Great, great, great. I'm not expecting a top five cornerback, uh, given he's going to be what 31 this year. It's still a new team. Um, he's going to be very good, but maybe slightly, uh, his, uh, expectations are a little bit too high for me. I want to push back just a little bit with Kyle Fuller. What do you say? Yeah. So again, do a job, you know, have your, have your veterans do a job. Um, Not necessarily freelance, not necessarily having them put out there on an Island, but, but he he can do a job. Um, You're going to have plenty of help out there. You know, I'm, I'm more interested, you know, how good, how good are the safeties, you know, are the safeties going to be out there to, to back them up as well. And then for me, you know, you started off and I forgot about this and 50 minutes later, I'm remembering, you know, the most, the most interesting position maybe for who's going to win it and blah, blah, blah is, is the, the, the cornerback position. But for me, the most interesting position on this team is like, what do I want to watch? What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. 
Yes. That's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see these two guys get after it at the same time on the same field. Because if those two guys play to their capabilities, the rest is just going to be gravy. So I, I, yeah. that's what I love. Again, you know, grew up with Lawrence Taylor. I want to see an edge rusher. I want to see those yeah. guys uh, going after it. So to me, maybe not intriguing, but most entertaining position is the two outside linebacker spots. That's what I'm looking forward to. And just a PSA to all Broncos fans out there. When the Broncos are on the field defensively, keep your eyes on 58 because this might be the last season of him in a Broncos uniform. So, uh, you know, he's been incredible. First ballot Hall of Famer in my book. Um, definitely a ring of famer. Um, have a lot to be thankful for for Vaughn. But, uh, you know, time is unstoppable and age is uh, something that's, you know, you can't stop it. Um, so enjoy Von Miller. Uh, watch 58 because, man, he's had a heck of a run. It's not over yet, but, man, I love him. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of love, uh, Bobby coming in here with the $50 super. Uh, just always so generous. Um uh, great show as always with the orange heart and the blue heart, Bobby. Thank you so much. That's uh that means a lot to us. That's, I mean, you're always coming in and being I'm, so supportive. I'm of back and I'm feeling the love from everybody. It's great. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all are. Oh man, that guy's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dead season. I enjoyed it so much more when he was gone. And some of you might have. To be fair, you know, no. you can't please everybody. Um, I didn't. Or, I didn't have Bobby, time to thank, drink my coffee. Bobby, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, that is so, so helpful. Poppy being Poppy, as Peter says. Dang, Poppy from Jeremy. Um, very helpful. And also, then we got to Tommy saying, shut up, Nick, talking about the end of Von Miller. It's just, I'm sorry, guys. I like the prep reality. I said the same thing a year ago, too. So who knows what happens? Um, we got to get moving here real quick. And again, another shout out, Poppy. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, the cornerback position here. Um, I'm going to scroll over just a little bit to kind of go, hopefully. <laughs> get some extra views here. Cause we talked about mainly starters, but let's get to the second string here. Um, you got uh, Duke Dawson. I would say probably gone Broncos traded with a seventh round pick. I scouted him going to Florida. He's not that old. Um, I think he's that's still the same Duke his... Dawson, right? Yes. You yep. know, the name start, the name start blending together, but I remember when he was, he was going to, to Florida out of high school. I'm like, he's gotta be 33, 34. No, I don't think he's that old. Okay. Um, I think he's still on his rookie contract even. No, the weren't there weren't somebody else then. That can't be the same. I'm thinking of somebody else because this was an Urban Meyer defensive back. He might have been. Uh, so he was drafted in 2018. So this would be the last year of his rookie contract. Okay. Um, but, Duke Dawson. I'm glad it's all running together. It's, 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 a, it's a bad word getting old. <laughs> it beats the alternative though. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Duke Dawson, I would say probably gone. Um, safety, cornerback, hybrid. He's been a okay body there, but um, not a difference maker. There's a reason the Broncos attacked the cornerback position the way they did. Uh, we'll see Dawson, you know, compete in camp. Maybe something happens, but probably a guy who's uh, going to be looking for work elsewhere. Um, probably the same can be said for uh, Nate Harrison over here and Parnell Motley. Uh, we saw flashes of both those guys last year. I, I know for sure we saw Motley. I think we saw Nate Harrison too. Not great. Um, again, Broncos really attack the cornerback position. The ones I'm interested in are um, on the bottom here with Bryce Callahan, Michael Ojemudia, Vincent Carey Jr., and saying Bassey. Bassey, I think, is going to be end up, ending up getting a redshirt season, being placed on the IR. I think he tore his ACL close to the end of last season. Um, so he he maybe could be back by the end of the year this year, or midseason this year. But like you have so many bodies at cornerback, why not just stash him on the IR for a year, get him fully healthy? That's what I think should happen and will happen. Uh, Bassey, solid player, good tackler. 
man, the crossing routes, he just does not have the juice to keep up with that. So I'm not sure if he's going to keep up with the guy who I think actually I'm very curious if he makes the team. Kerry Vincent Jr., really talented. Uh, many players on the team have said that he's probably the fastest guy on the team, which you need for those uh, slots in today's NFL, given the amount of slot fades and crossing routes you're going to see. Um, but uh, is he going to make the roster? Or is he going to be a practice squad guy? Uh, seventh round pick, but also teams are looking for cornerbacks. So that's one that's going to be interesting. We talked about Ojemudia already. Bryce Callahan, great player. Is he going to be a starter? Uh, the Broncos, tr- could they possibly find a trade partner for him? Um, I don't know. It's. I feel like you're not because of his contract, his age, his injury history, even though you could clear $6 million moving on from him, he's probably more valuable on this team, even as the fourth-string cornerback right now, uh, than trading him. And then look at the safeties. You know, you're, you got okay. a couple of rookies back uh, as, as safeties there. So um, how well can they fit in and how quickly can they get up to speed? Because, you know, we start looking at, at the depth here and what what could an injury do to this team – that might be the place that scares you the most. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if there's an injury to one of the safeties, then you're like, hmm, how do we move things around? Maybe we put one of the corners over there. Maybe we play the def- defense. But if you're looking for maybe an Achilles Hill to this team, there's not a ton of depth at the safety position right now. However, these two guys are pretty pretty talented, so hopefully they can get up to speed a little bit. But that's that might be the one thing that scares you a little bit is the the backup position at, at safety. It's okay. The Broncos are just going to draft uh, Kyle Hamilton. Next year in the draft, I don't know if you've. I don't know how far ahead you are uh, in your draft oh, stuff right now. I've got a. There's a. There's a guy that I'll. You. You listen to sources, and you know everybody's always telling you about players, and then if they're right, you. You remember them. So mm-hmm. um, Jeff Sent- Sentinel, I believe. I can, can't remember his name real quick. He does uh, Georgia for Dog Nation AGC. Uh, I did some work with them, and he knew my background and had seen a lot of guys, and he said, "Check this guy out," and he's at Marist. You know, Marist High School is you know, 20 minutes from here. I know 20 minutes from everywhere, um, 20 minutes from here. And I was like, he was a three-star guy, you know, barely off the, off the scene. I was like, that's, that's five stars right there. That that's five stars. I was like, I don't care where he's right now. I'll tell you where he's going to finish. He's going to finish with five stars next to his name. And he did. He was, he was something else. I haven't watched him since, but I watched him. I watched him at Marist. I'm like, and he was big time, big time. And you're talking about Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Oh my God, man. He is, he is special, special, special. I know the Broncos will need edge rusher next year. They'll need a uh, right tackle, uh, maybe quarterback, quarter uh, quarterback as well. Yeah. If they're drafting high, but uh, Kyle Hamilton, if you put him with Justin Simmons, he's like the, if uh, I don't know how much you're into Pokemon or something like that, uh, but uh, not at all. But um, if, uh, if Justin Simmons, let's say he's war turtle, especially as a prospect, you know, that, that far along um, that would make uh, Kyle Hamilton uh, blastoise because he's bigger, faster, stronger. And Justin Simmons might be the best safety in the league, but that's how good of a safety uh, prospect Kyle Hamilton is. Different, Totally different type than uh, like a Jamal Adams or a uh, a Derwin James. But man, he is, man, he's a special, fun player. I can always count on Jeremy to get my movie references. Always, always. Well, in this place, a geographical oddity. Two days from everywhere. Two weeks from everywhere. That was a that was a reference to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, what a and, great and Jeremy movie. picked up on it. And I've, I've discussed that's kind of where I live. I'm 20 minutes from everywhere. So he's yep. bona fide. Thank, thank you, Jeremy. He's a suitor. No, okay. Um, well, guys, <laughs> that's probably gonna have to get us out of here. Um, we went an hour over. Thank you, got uh, first off, before we even move 
any further, we got to give a shout out to everybody who uh, contributed today's to today's shows monetarily. Um, Muhammad Badri came with the super sticker king of the super stickers. We appreciate you, Mac eighty five city. Uh, thank you so much, Peter Middleton, with the very generous superstars. Uh, we saw you there, buddy. Thank you for uh, pointing it back out. Thus, we get back around to it with a good question. Uh, Max Power. I don't think he let us know who his uh, club team was, but uh, either way, uh, let's go Deutschland. Um, sorry, Max had to get that in there. Um, Bronco 17 and with the super sticker as well. We appreciate you. Shane Daniels, uh, coming in and, uh, Bobby with the very, 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 very generous, uh, super chat as well. Um, Trevor saying Malik Willis. That's my guy. I love Malik Willis. I know that we've talked about him a few times. Other directions. So going Maris is over here. Roswell's over here. So those are two guys I watched when I, when I first moved back to Georgia, um, Malik Willis was at Roswell high school, went to Auburn. Uh, we've talked about him a little bit before saying, uh, Saying that again, Gary leads Palmer. Gary, that's who we that's who we forgot. Nick was uh was Peter appreciate you pointing that out. But um uh Malik was a Virginia Tech commitment and they were gonna take him as a defensive back. I'm like, no, you're not, no way. And uh and Auburn offered him as a quarterback. He went there, didn't stay there, but he's showing he was a quarterback all the way. Oh man, if he he's really inconsistent with his accuracy, he kind of reminds me of a junior season Lamar Jackson, or maybe sophomore season. So like the year before. Lamar Jackson came out. He wanted so it like, as a sophomore. I'm pretty sure he wanted it as a sophomore. And then it's almost like Lamar Jackson, you know, like, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson, let's try and find somebody else because his next year was just about as good as his Heisman year. He was a video game. Lamar Jackson was a yep. video game at Louisville. I think that's Malik Jack, uh, Malik Willis as well, but I think Malik Willis has a uh, even stronger arm, like natural arm talent. I think he's got more of a whip on him. Um, so, man, he if he gets it all together, he could be the first overall pick. He's got the tools. Um, but, uh, thanks guys so much for, uh, coming in and joining us today. That's probably going to have to do it for us on uh, today's show. Um, because we got things to do. I got a meeting that I got to fly off to, but we love y'all. Um, that's been Broncos for breakfast. We'll see you again next Thursday at eight o'clock mountain time. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter, uh, Scott at scout Kennedy, go follow him. Um, you can follow me at Nick Kendall. M H H will be on Twitter. Uh, a little bit too addicted to our phones these days. At least I can speak for myself. That's why I go hiking, right? It's my chance to unplug without even, um, having a choice while you guys are over on Twitter, please follow us at mile high huddle and at huddle up pod. Um, if you're joining us on Facebook, please click those thumbs up. Um, I can see right now we have over on Facebook. We got 22, uh, we can do better than that. We got a lot of eyeballs in here. So uh, click those thumbs up if you're joining us on Facebook while you're over there. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. Uh, become a supporter. Join everybody. It's great. If you guys like the, the hat that I'm rocking today, huddleup.pod.com to, you know, shirts, coffee mugs, whatever. We need to get ourselves some building the or Broncos for breakfast um, coffee mugs. I've been pestering chat about that. YouTube folks. First off, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, help us. At, there you go. Chelsea Football Club. Um, Still reigning champions, man. You got to enjoy I, that. I got, I got that one at, at Stanford Bridge made in China. So it feels authentic to me. I, I, it feels authentic to me. Ah, it tastes like victory. <laughs> um, YouTube folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Please, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Let's uh, get him up there. Um, also, I'm going to drop the uh, the link again in the chat for everybody joining us today. Click that. It'll take you to his page and uh, that can help us a lot. We got Greg Smith saying goodbye. Always hello, goodbye. Greg Smith, hello, love uh, you. <laughs> uh trevor coming a little late today i think but uh thank you for so much for joining us facebook user saying great show guys peter saying thanks as always jason saying louisville <laughs> there you go for uh, lamar jackson <laughs> um oh and we got a dapper dan quote in here from uh i like Jeremy. your odor <laughs> 
Um, coffee cups for the win. Oh, all made. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop now. Sorry. Um, that's totally, <laughs> totally. That's a great movie. I need to watch that again. My name is George Nelson, not Babyface. All right, guys, we got to go. We love you all. <laughs> Stay cool. Um, and we will see you again on Thursday. Go Broncos. <laughs>